right. We're here with Francine today from um, Last Generation Canada. Hello, Francine. Hi, Jillian. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, what land are you on out there, Francine? I'm on the unceded uh, uh, territory of the Anishinaabe uh, Akwesasne uh, peoples that have owned this land for time immemorial and uh, are very good guardians of this land. Beautiful land to be on and let's hope we can save a few slivers of it. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I normally start off with asking when the first time that people knew they had to step out of their com comfort zone uh, was because, you know, all we are all we all used to have these kind of normal everyday lives. And all of a sudden here we're doing these really crazy things. Well, seemingly crazy anyway. They don't yeah. seem crazy anymore. So do you remember when that moment was, was for you? The trigger that pushed me into action was this summer. In June, we had um, wildfire smoke from uh, fires, wildfires going in the north of Quebec and north of Ontario. And frankly, this was the first time that, um, you know, we had about three incredibly bad days in Ottawa where the air was visible. You could not go outside. They were advising that all children, seniors, everybody stay inside because the air was just full of uh, particulate matter from the forest fires. And wow, that was the first inkling I had, I guess, that, you know, this is not just a, a storm here or a storm there. This is like I can't I can't breathe properly mm -hmm. and I figured I can spend my life you know enjoying my life as a retired person hanging around with my grandkids and right. and playing around at home and going out with friends etc cetera, etc cetera, playing video games or I can get involved and I decided that it was time to step up because this is a moral imperative, right? This is how I see it. I can't look, I could I can't look at my children if I'm not doing everything I possibly can to make sure that they have a future. Um, so you yep. found onto Ottawa, right? How did you find onto Ottawa? Um, a friend of mine just suggested I I who had taken part in one of the online talks just suggested that I check it out and right. um so I, I just, uh, you know, made sure that I was available that particular evening when it was uh, showing and, and found that there were some really passionate yeah. people of all ages mm -hmm. that, you know, seemed to know what they were doing, seemed to be very organized and, yeah. um, you know, very, you know, that, that we needed to take action. Yeah and make sure that the federal government was aware that we were taking action. And the right. only way that we can get attention is by acknowledging that this is not business as usual. This yeah. is an extraordinary event mm -hmm. 
I like to think of it. Well, I was when we were talking, I was talking to um John Valiant and uh you know, he was we were talking about schools and and he said he wanted to go into schools, but um he was feeling so so pessimistic <laughs> and he was trying to find a way to be able to give them hope and he said yeah he said and this has stuck with me um so profoundly that the natural state of nature is abundance and we've been burning solidly as much as we possibly can for 200 years and if we just stop burning he believes that there will be a flowering um like we've never seen before and we did see it in COVID right yes um, you know the dolphins were in the canal and the air was clear and the grass was like everything was just growing and lush and beautiful yeah and, uh, I can't believe we went right back to these toxic ways of, uh, of ours <laughs> I know I was uh, I was really impressed with with the actions that happened to prevent the spread of COVID, how yeah. initially in the first three months, it was terrifying because it was an unknown situation. Yeah. Most governments acted decisively and said, that's yeah. it. This is not business as usual. We yeah. are stopping this because we need to make sure that we stop the spread of this yeah. virus. And, and they didn't give a fuck about the economy. You know, they, they took care of people first uh and made sure that people had you know money and could you know were able to afford to stay at home and yeah. uh, where are those politicians now <laughs> i don't know it's it's um it's worse this is worse than covid like at least if you got covid before the vaccine you might die but you, you know, not, you know, you wouldn't, but we are all, we are all going to fucking die. Like if we don't do something, every, we're all, that's it. It's like, it's, it's, it's not a virus that's going to kill yeah. 5% of us. It's, you know, it's, we're all underwater or on fire and we're all going to watch the. I sort of look at it and it's sort of an analogy to something that I uh, experienced after I after I um, retired, which is almost 14, 15 years ago now, right. um, I spent a couple of years where I was, you know, like starting to sleep in later and later every day, didn't feel much of a purpose in anything. Right. And my husband suggested, why don't you drive a school bus? Because <laughs> I love kids. <laughs> yeah. And and so I figured, yep, yep. I'll have a regime where I get up early in the morning, yeah. you know, drive for two or three hours, take it easy, rest for one or two hours, and then go back and drive again. And school bus drivers have it. Well, the contracts for school buses uh, with the schools typically allow about 10 snow days per year, maybe a, a few more. Right. 15, let's say. And, and so at, at the beginning of the season, they, they you know, sort of call a snow day and the buses don't have to go and stuff like that. If there's some sort of threat of freezing rain. Right. And, and then by the end of the year, by the end of the winter season, if they're getting close to running out of snow days, we can go and have to drive in a snowstorm bloody snowstorm 
you know, like with, you know, a foot of with snow the kids, down with the children. Yeah, I know, I know. It doesn't matter. It's it's like you know, this is this is all we have. We're not getting any more snow days. For God, you're driving in this. This reminds me of the number of snow days we used up all our collection of snow days during the pandemic. Right. Said, okay, this is not business as usual. We've got to stop everything, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then that went on for a year and a half, then two, then three, you know, almost three mm-hmm. to, to varying degrees. Most, well, most people that I talked to when we talk about the pandemic, there were lots of things that we all love. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I loved seeing, you know, dudes out walking around together, having a beer, yes. just taking a walk, you know, in their neighborhood, meeting up for a walk. And I, yes. I loved how everything slowed down. And it showed me that 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 that's possible, that people actually really do enjoy it when you slow down. I saw my friends. I mean, I didn't see, you know, I didn't go to, to restaurants or bars or anything, but I met friends for walks, outside walks. And we loved it. We'd, we'd go for a really long walk once a week. It was walk night, ladies mm-hmm. walk night. And we talked about continuing to do that. And we just, you know, we got lured back into this hustle culture where everybody's doing all of these things all of the time and all the kids have got like 12 different lessons to go to and and uh you know people are filling up their their days and their nights with activities and I kind of could see the benefit in a global and a global shutdown for climate but we could all still go to restaurants. We could all stimulate our local economy. Exactly. exactly. The parties in the park, you know, and just have a really good time with the people around us. Yes. Uh, in our city, there's lots of people to meet. There's lots of people to do things with. And, you know, then I'm, I'm willing to bet if we all shut it down, the corporations would transition pretty damn fast to a clean economy because fossil fuels have got to go. They've got to go. There was just a... And some sort of an explosion or a leak or something or fire at a refinery in Burnaby, which is probably about, you know, I'd say, I don't know, 20, 20 miles away from yeah. here. The whole of Vancouver and Burnaby and North Vancouver stunk like toxic weight, toxic, like, like toxic oh. materials on fire. So we wouldn't be having those kind of events if we didn't, if we, if we got off fossil fuels, it's just disgusting. You know, all of these people, all these millions of people just breathed in this cancer-causing toxic smoke. Uh, we didn't get an alert for hours from like, uh, you know, we found out from Twitter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and that's the way so many of these alerts happen. Yeah. It's, it's not because the companies own up to the, to the destruction that they've caused. I mean, Imperial Oil was able to leak toxins into, uh, out of like the tailings ponds that they fill up with all kinds of horrible chemicals leaked. Yeah. And they didn't bother announcing it for nine months. And it's now that the uh, Alberta energy regulator knew about it that 
and that imperial oil is carrying on this sort of stuff all the time. So we really cannot trust the fossil yeah. fuel corporations. Yeah. To and we can't trust our leaders. We obviously can't trust our elected officials to do the right thing without a little bit of encouragement from regular people who have just come to the end of their rope. The UN, for example, has said we cannot burn any more fossil fuels. Yes. And yet in Canada, we are continuing to expand production yep. of the tar sands, yep. the dirtiest source of oil on the planet. Yeah. We are continuing to increase production. And I think in the month of November, December, Suncor Energy Limited incorporated um had a record production month you know for that month and it's like why yeah we, yeah so we here we are them. yeah so here we are you're a grandmother of four a grandmother seven, of, oh, oh right a grandmother of seven a mother of four yes. is that right um i'm actually a mother of two my husband uh, who had a, a previous marriage also has two children. Okay. So okay. And then uh, so total uh, of seven grandkids. The seven youngest, grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, the youngest of whom is Brooke, who's now two years old. Aww. And she's just a delightful little kid. But, you know, I look at her and think we had so many. Yeah. Uh, blessings and, and benefits yeah. of living on this planet. Solutions are there. Yes. We can certainly. Yeah, because you're uh, an engineer, right? Yes, You are I an am. engineer. You're an engineer. Yeah. You are a well-trained grandma. Uh, renewable energy is cheaper than oil and gas. It's available. It can be done locally so that you can set up a small solar farm. You can put solar panels on your own roof. Mm -hmm. uh, there are things that can be done easily to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels. Yeah. And so we should be doing that with, you know, we need to double and triple and quadruple yeah. the, the, the um, subsidies for heat pumps. Yeah. You know, enable everyone to just switch over to heat pumps or geothermal sources of heating. We need to, you know, there yeah. are some things like the electric vehicles, but we also need to sit back and think, okay, do we really need to consume as much? Do we yeah. really need yeah. to have? Yeah. What if we all have this big competition with how little we can consume and, yes. you know, we could, and, and how much we could enjoy ourselves on as little as possible. And I, I'm willing to think we could go an awful long way in this degrowth plan. But let's yeah. talk about the arrests because, you know, we're talking <laughs> about getting out, yes. getting out there and doing our part. So you and I were arrested together. We? we met, we met the day, we, we met uh, in, what park uh, was it? That statue, <laughs> who was the statue we met? Colonel Bai, I think. Colonel Bai. Do we know yeah. what Colonel Bai did? Colonel Bai built the Rideau Canal. Oh, okay. Which runs through Ottawa, and it was a canal to connect. Uh oh, now we're <laughs> to connect um, uh, the Ottawa area to. I think the um, 
to the St. Lawrence River. Right. So he oversaw the digging of the canal, did he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wonder who and, dug it. Who was who were the workers? Uh, there were a lot of um, workers brought in from Ireland, Scotland. Um, oh. A whole raft of uh, new settlers that came in. Right. And, uh, you know, the sort of settler mentality. Let's just make right. a straight line of a canal yeah. to connect this body right. of water with another body of water. Right. And there were people living here who may not have been too happy about that. <laughs> I'm sure there were. <laughs> yeah, there definitely were. The yeah. Anishinaabe. Uh, um, yeah. They're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, Stop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're making a canal. It'll be so much better. You'll be able to connect. Canoe, take your canoe straight down yeah. the canal and into... I don't know why you guys didn't think of this. This is a great idea. <laughs> they might have. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure it pleased them to no end. <laughs> yes. So we met uh, that morning. I got ourselves organized in the park. Then came to where we were going to cross the road, which was mm -hmm. just uh, close to the Shadow Laurier, and yeah. we were going to block Wellington. Yeah. So we had to practice this the night before mm -hmm. on a, another uh, dead-end road. Yeah. And, and so we knew what we had to do. We needed to carry the signs, and then we needed to cross on the crosswalk. When the crosswalk light went green, we crossed the road and then sat down in the road. Mm -hmm. uh, the police got there relatively quickly you know yeah we, well um, there was um I did notice on the uh, outside of the Shadow Laurier there was some sort of convention there because and it must have been some sort of fossil fuel uh convention because there was a, a bunch of people in suits um particularly yeah. like white men in suits who were yelling at us that uh our signs were made of fossil fuels yes. <laughs> I was like Which oh petroleum yeah, yeah they were really 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 angry about our signs yeah. they were in fact the, the 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 white men in the suits were more angry at us than than most of the people on the street uh the cyclists yeah. going by the pedestrians most people were like oh yeah good for you you and they would ask what we wanted and uh, we would tell them and they'd say, oh, yeah, the, the, the smoke was really bad. Um, so most people, there was one woman who was yelling that she had to get to a dentist appointment, I think. But most people were kind of OK with it. Cool they got traffic it, really. re rerouted. It, you know, it was pretty, pretty quick. And, yeah. uh, you know, aside from that woman who later we did find out was named Karen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which I guess they had and we had it on uh, our our little release papers or no yes. she was going to be one of the if we went to trial she was going to be one of the witnesses she was one of the witnesses um yes. so but she was really quite a an interesting individual I mean you know the intent is that uh with non-violence mm -hmm. we were trained you know yeah. how to respond to the public and not to to really engage or or ramp up the emotions right, just to right. sort of try to de-escalate all the tension yeah. and um, well, we had a de-escalator we didn't really need to de-escalate anything we were just sitting there and and yeah. uh other people were de-escalating for us but we did yeah. have one we did meet one new friend didn't we 
We certainly George. did. George? George. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was the person that was very interesting. He was just walking along. Mm -hmm. You probably know much more about George than I do because I was on the other side yeah. of the street and was yeah. just walking. Yeah, no, but, we had a good conversation. He had a handful of cigarettes and um, he was originally kind of upset that we were there. Uh, but then he came over and we started talking. We said, well, you remember the smoke? And he's like, oh, yeah, OK, no, I love you guys. And so then he <laughs> sat down, he sat down um, next to me and took the other side of the banner and put his yeah. pile of cigarettes between us. He's like, do you want a cigarette? And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, that's OK, George. <laughs> uh, and then the police came to start making arrests. And uh, they were sort of saying, they were saying, well, we're going to be making arrests now. And George kept saying, they have to tell you, they have to order you to leave before uh, you can be, before they could arrest you. And they kept saying, well, we're going to make arrests. And he's like, you know, trying to ask him to get off the street. And he kept saying, no, they have to order you to leave. And the police officer looked really confused. And uh, I said to the police officer, it's like, I think you need to say, I order you to leave. And he said, okay. And he turned to George and says, I order you to leave. And George was like, okay. And he picked up his cigarettes and and, and walked away. It was pretty funny. And then George, uh, George went on his way. Yeah. And uh, then we were taken away. We were cuffed. Absolutely handcuffed. And put in the back. Behind our backs, which was behind our backs. not too bad. But then they stuck us in this. We each had our own individual squad car. Which is so weird, right? Yeah. Why couldn't but, we have shared a car? Well, you know, we might have worked together to, I don't know, perhaps um, hypnotize, hypnotize. I figure it's because they didn't want us hypnotizing the driver right. and the person. We're women, we're witches. We're obviously witches. Absolutely. You know, it, <laughs> up to no good, that's for sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, but the squad car back seats are made to be as uncomfortable as possible I was sort of stuck in there and and three or because four it's metal right it's like it's it's a like it's everything is metal back there I, I didn't know that um yeah. it's not a seat it's just like a bunch of metal and you're kind of wedged in in this metal box it was very yeah, weird it was weird. like it's like it's made for dogs Certainly and no, no. seatbelts. no seat belts no I was seat belts. very yeah, it was, it felt really dangerous. It's not safe yeah. to have people in, in, in with, without a seatbelt with their hands no. behind their back. Like it, what if, what if the car like got hit? You would, your head would go like you, you had no way to stop yourself. No, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, maybe we were considered innocent until proven guilty, but we were certainly made mm -hmm. to assume higher risks than one would hope be exposed to what's it like going what's it like going into the uh the jail so tell us what happens i had to wait about 15 minutes we all uh all three squad cars drove into the basement um yeah into the back cave you know and uh, i had to wait for 15 more minutes in the back seat of that car which was getting more and more uncomfortable by the minute you know mm -hmm. and um I was left with the female driver who seemed to be quite young. Uh, you know, she seemed to be a trainee and we were chatting a little bit, you know, and I was saying, geez, you know, you could be my granddaughter. Finally, it was my turn to get out. So I sort of 
creakily unfolded myself from mm -hmm. the back seat and uh, hung around and waited to be brought in. But I really felt sorry for the police officer because she's going into, you know, a really male-dominated environment, mm -hmm. police that's really paramilitary kind yeah. of um, environment. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, uh, when I was getting searched and, you know, had to remove my shoes and untie my shoelaces and all this sort of stuff, I, I sort of had her close to me and I, I said, right. listen, I... I I realize you're, you know, just coming into this male-dominated environment. I was an engineer, you know, I've had a lot of experience being in male-dominated situations, uh, work environments, and I really suggest you look after yourself. Take care of yourself. Make sure that, you know, you're strong and you have a good sense of your well-being because mm -hmm. it's important. There's a lot of times when you will be, you know, harassed and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, um, yeah. Anyways, so. How that, did she like that? She just nodded quietly. <laughs> Didn't say much. <laughs> There's this, uh, have you ever read the rhyme of the ancient mariner? So it's this epic poem, it's a Coleridge poem, and this this guy's on the way to a wedding, is the wedding guest, and this old man comes and just finds him. He's like, I, and he's got something with some weird eye, and he's like, I've got something to tell you. And he tells this big story about how he shot an albatross. That's what the albatross, like he shot an albatross and then had to yes. wear it around his neck. And this has been, you know, he shot, he, he destroyed nature, and this was now his, he was going around to find people to warn about the albatross and yeah that's how I see that moment of this this young girl who's a police officer who's generally you know not dealing with um with grandmas telling her to be careful in this in this male-dominated toxic culture yeah uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet it gave her I bet she she's thought about it a few times I hope so it wasn't too bad though fortunately Mm -hmm. You know, I was dressed warmly and they put me in the cell right beside you. And, yes. of course, you know, when you're looking at it, these cells are not built for comfort. In fact, it seems like they really work hard mm -hmm. to make it as uncomfortable as possible. There is a fiberglass platform, which is theoretically the bed in this particular unit. It's mm -hmm. got bars on the front of the cell. And there are video cameras and um, uh, microphones that can, uh, you know, essentially monitor you at all times of the day and night. And, right. you know, that's fine. There's this uh, bed taking up most of the room. And then there's... It's a not a bed, Francine. <laughs> a metal slab. A metal slab. Yeah. You need to be as cold as and unforgiving as possible. This yeah. this platform takes up most of the space, and then there's this charming toilet, um, water <laughs> fountain, um, sink. Thank you. you know, and <laughs> so gross. Like 
I was damned if I was going to drink from that water fountain that was so close to the sink, that was so close, close to, the, to the toilet. Yeah, I drank from the water fountain. I did too. Eventually, <laughs> thirst got the better of me. Yeah. Okay, so we sang. Um, I, I, uh, yes. I um, lived one of my bucket list moments because I remembered um, the scene in, I think it was Trading Places, where Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy is in prison. And Nick Nolte comes to pick him up and he's singing, he's singing Roxanne. And uh, I had sort of, I sort of thought since, you know, since I watched that movie, like, oh, I wonder if I'll ever get to sing Roxanne in jail. And it was the perfect opportunity to sing Roxanne. Yeah, Yeah. it was fantastic because Roxanne was one song that I had learned, like I had taken singing lessons over the last. No way. Oh, yeah. And Roxanne was one of the ones that I had sheet music for it. I had practiced that. Oh, maybe you should get the choir doing it. (laughs) You could change the words like it's a little bit like, you know, it's what it's a pretty exploitive song. Um, It is. It's very it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very patriarchal song um, of a genre that I like to make fun of when I write songs. Uh, Yes. So um, so but you can we could change. Yeah. We could change the lyrics. It would probably freak out the um, uh, the police a little bit if everybody that they arrest from oh, sang the same generation. song. Yeah. How hard could it be? You know. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see how the rest of the group feels about their new homework assignment. Okay, you guys, yes. they've got this, this. They've done all your postering. And okay, now we're having Roxanne singing lessons. Yes. <laughs> I think that's entirely doable. I, oh, I, I think it's totally doable. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just, think, yeah, we'll, think, we'll make an instructional video. Uh, we'll just make a video and uh, if they get the words wrong, it's fine. It doesn't even matter, but that's, uh, we should all be doing the exact same thing in the jail for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was curious because uh, the police officers passing by seem to be quite kind. Yeah. During the day shift and yeah. Donald Duff, our de- detective Duff, detective detective Donald Duff was our yeah. Uh, yeah. was our guy. He was yeah. yeah, he was very polite. He said, "I'm gonna get you ladies out real soon." Yeah, um, yeah. He wasn't I so nice that the, a few days later, I went to fix somebody up. I was on arrest support and I was waiting outside. It was when um, John was getting a green gramps on the hill. Uh, yeah. was getting uh, was in and his wife was really concerned about that he had his insulin mm-hmm. and so we were trying to get somebody to come out to answer a question because you can't even though they're right in the jail it's right there and there's a phone that you can pick up they won't give you any information and so don uh don don duff uh came walk i was like oh, hey hey don and uh <laughs> you know because we had i thought we developed some rapport in the jail because yes. he was so friendly and he wasn't very friendly then he's like you guys are getting really fucking irritating right now so <laughs> I'm not going to be friendly anymore <laughs> it's like that's the patriarchy right they're really friendly um for a little while and then uh and then once you get in once you get annoying yes they then get a better survey aggression comes out you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, because all the police, they actually complimented us on our great singing voices. Yes, they did. Okay, so we spent the day in jail, and then we got out, and then you got arrested again. Yes. And you weren't prepared for it this time. 
No, it was two weeks later. I was, um, my conditions of release from the first arrest were that I was to stay 500 meters away from uh, the Chateau Laurier. Right. Um, we were assembling for a slow march, was, which is entirely legal and, uh, you know, is supposed to be much low, virtually no risk of, a, of arrest. You know, we just carry signs and chant a few right. songs, et cetera. Et cetera. You're not, you, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And, and we were all assembling around uh, the fountain in Confederation Park and, you know, just getting the instructions about how we have to, uh, you know, really go for nonviolent, respectful mm -hmm. actions in this march. So that was fine. I was doing that. Um, I was very sure that I was far outside the limits of my no-go right. zone. And, um, but there were about six or seven policemen around Confederation Park, all with, you know, uh, photos of, of people yeah. that had been involved with other um, action items, actions uh, mm -hmm. the week before. And so uh, they recognized me and they worked very, very hard to establish that, oh, yes, I was 25 meters inside the no-go zone. So therefore... I needed to be arrested again for breaching uh, my conditions. Um, wow. And they were going as the crows fly and not as you map Google, right? Yeah, because I had checked it on Google map, you know, yeah. walking distance from where I was. And, You're and like, I'm... they actually figured out specifically how the crows flies if you are within slightly the... less than 500 meters. Yeah. So, wow. Okay, and you were just wearing your summer clothes, your summer skirt, your summer t-shirt, right? And you went back to that cold, that cold, cold cell. Yes, and this was in the oh. evening, uh, yeah. around five thirty, um, and I was shocked. My husband had been there just to, you know, lend support. This was mm -hmm. going to be um, a very low risk sort of thing. He was hanging about, and. Uh, they were there. They handcuffed me on the sidewalk after we had said some words at the firefighters uh, memorial mm -hmm. um, just outside Ottawa City Hall. And and then they said I was under arrest and I was absolutely flabbergasted that they would arrest me. The full range of cells were full of, of, of women in the cell block and there was, you know, one sleeping, one, you know, moaning, uh, another one just screaming for attention and stuff like that. And it was, Aww. the vibe was way different. And um, so the, all guess, three of those people needed, um, needed uh, mental health support. Yeah. 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 And, you know, not a cold metal slab. No. And a toilet sink water fountain. Uh, yeah, that would that would cause trauma in virtually anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was it was sort of like the the patriarchy laid bare. Like, yeah, it was how to inflict the maximum amount of suffering 
for people that may or may not deserve it. Yeah. They, well, I, I don't, nobody deserves that. So this no. is how I feel about even violent crime. Um, if somebody is too violent and too unpredictable to be in the general population, obviously we can't have them going around stabbing people and murdering people at will, but we should still keep them somewhere comfortable mm -hmm. so that we don't make them worse. Yes. Because that's going to make them worse. Like if I know one thing about that jail cell is nobody's coming out of that jail cell uh, feeling good right they're going to come out of it feeling angry you know we've got these people just just doing their jobs but they're armed to the tits and they're very threatening and they're not thinking about what they're doing they're not you yeah. know they're not sitting down and having a really good discussion with themselves about mm -hmm. the, the you know the, the the consequences of just doing your job when it's oppressing people yes that's right because you know uh these these police officers at night seem to have much less empathy much less right interest in the people and uh were out to be intentionally cruel mm -hmm. um that's what ever said she had a she had a, a very different experience than i did in in the in the jail and day uh in uh in the ottawa jail um, overnight she was um, and again she had everybody who spent the night in those jails has come out especially the women talking about um, you know the poor women who are in there who are suffering they are yeah. suffering and the one um, people can listen to Evers I, I don't know if you've listened to Evers interview Francine yeah. but there was a woman in there and she'd been taken in with no shoes Right. And they kept saying to her, oh, don't worry, we'll we'll deal. Yeah, they just sort of nabbed her. And she kept saying that she was a visitor and she didn't know anybody um, and she had no shoes. And they said, don't worry, don't worry about it. Um, but ever. And then she got let out and uh, ever was like, there's no way they gave her shoes. No, because they didn't give her shoes the whole time. So, uh, yeah. So this woman who had nowhere to, you know, who didn't know the city. Um, mm -hmm didn't have her phone with her. I don't know why she was arrested without shoes, but she was arrested without shoes and spent the night there. And mm -hmm. uh, they wouldn't give her lunch. And uh, they were just very, very cruel to her. Mm -hmm. um, and these stories over and over and over again about how women are treated in the system. And it's yeah. not right. It's absolutely 100% wrong. That's right. The There was one woman beside me who was um, she seemed to be quite frail. I didn't really see any of these women before, you know, until they sort of got let out from time to time. Um, and she was very, very upset with what was going on and hyperventilating and so on. And wow. uh, at one point in the evening, she fell and hit her head on the floor and stuff like that and was moaning and crying and screaming and no officers came to help out <gasps> I, we were monitored you could hear it and eventually the whole cell block started yelling and rattling our doors to get some attention and get the police to come in and see what was going on because she seemed to be um you know in in difficulty right could and, have been dying yeah that's right you know, she was certainly seeming like, sounding like she was very hurt. And um, 
finally one guy walked in and uh, he said, well, you know, this was, I don't know, maybe three or four in the morning, heaven, heaven knows. Um, well, you know, if you are looked at by the paramedics, you know, they could take you away to hospital and you might not, you might miss your bail hearing tomorrow morning and then you'll be left back what? here and, and, you know, it might be another three or four days before you get a bail hearing. And, what? You know, so he was trying to convince her not not to choose to uh, be seen by paramedics to check her out for concussion or whatever. And and we were all saying, listen, you know, and, wow. and so he said, no, you you call the paramedics, they'll evaluate her in 10, 15 minutes. They'll decide whether or not she has to go to hospital. And if she doesn't, she'll be back in the cell and we'll have... But they did come they did eventually, come. Um, wow. I, you know, and assessed her and then she was brought back to her cell. So it was like, okay, see, buddy, you've just blown this up out of proportion and she needed to be checked. You know, that's all all there was to it. And wow. yeah. But getting back to yeah. Dakota. Okay, yeah. This guy was a really young guy and he was of course trying to be, you know, friendly and stuff. And what was what was I doing out in um out on the roads or you know, you knew that you were supposed to stay five hundred meters away from what were you doing you know uh breaching your conditions and i said i i was not breaching them you know yeah yeah um but yeah you know like he was trying of course to find out all kinds of information yeah and get you to listen. you know i have known for a long time about um climate problem i i'm an engineer i've got a background in some of this stuff i was you know project manager uh for um uh the group in environment canada that collects the yearly right on how many greenhouse gases and totals that we're emitting and stuff like this and and i've been involved in that sort of thing for a long time and you know i'm really worried about this and anybody that has children or grandchildren right. should be concerned that there is not a possibility of you know if we continue on this uh trajectory there will not be a livable planet for our children and our grandchildren and right i did not do this because i was brainwashed i did this because i felt that yeah the climate crisis is so bad that mm-hmm. it required extraordinary action on my part yeah to, to bring this out right to four of people yeah just told and, them the truth yeah you know yeah. and that you know how can you sit there and look at trying to persecute people that are trying to you know sort of bring this to people's attention that you know there's criminal the government is criminally negligent yeah for allowing all this gas and oil and coal production right when they know it's it's contributing so heavily to uh, the climate crisis 
asked him if he had any kids and was he worried about them? What did they? Yeah. Was he, did he have kids? Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. Was he worried about them? He he tried to imply that he was not worried at all. Ah, but... and he's going to tell his partner, you know, I arrested this woman. She's like a grandmother of seven, and and his wife is going to be. You did what? Yeah, <laughs> and you. She could never go downtown Ottawa again. Yeah. And you arrested her because she was like 25 meters away from where she was supposed to be. And you had to figure that out. You couldn't even just Google it. You had to figure out a way to arrest this grandma for <laughs> holding a sign. You know, go sleep on the couch. Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> That's would, what I, would I think. think. You know, for at least a month anyway. So yeah. every time, you know, they take somebody off the street and put them in a cell and do what the oligarchs want them to do. Um, you know, we're wasting more time when we yeah. could be putting solutions that you as an engineer know are already out there. We can do it. You can tell yeah. us how. Um, anything else you want to leave us with? Oh, what's the demand of last generation Canada? We have two, but the most immediate is what? The most immediate is we need a national firefighting agency mm -hmm. of 50,000 yeah. firefighters, wild firefighters, mm -hmm. because right now Canada relies on a hodgepodge of, of volunteers across the country. 70% mm -hmm. of the wildfire fighters are, are volunteers. With and other jobs. Yeah. Yes, with other jobs, with other yeah. work and hardly paid at all for what they're yeah. doing uh, in terms of fighting for wildfires. Right. And, right. you know, we rely on other countries to come to our aid. Yeah. And, it makes no and they're going to have their own fires, you know, and there's young people that need good, green, well-paying jobs. Yes. You know, a lot of young people there, you know, getting out of school. There, A lot of people in our organization, I'm sure, we're a lot of tree planters. Anyway, I'm sure would uh, would love to be trained as a wildfire firefighter and, yes. you know, how to prevent fires um, and just be there when something starts, you know, and be properly equipped. Yeah. 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 Right. We are we are almost like we have heard rumblings that uh, this is um, something that the government is looking at doing. Right. So we've heard rumblings of that. Uh, yes. And our our second our, our our once our emergency demand you know is met, um, how do we want to tackle the climate? We want to tackle the climate and the eradication or the um, eroding of our democratic rights by creating a citizens assembly uh, made up of people all across the country that are provided with enough information by experts to to determine how to act going forward on the climate and ecological crisis right. that we're in. And right. we want these recommendations to be binding on the federal government so that they have no option but to take this. Because right, right. now, the federal government, provincial governments, municipal governments, almost all of them are being held hostage by mm -hmm. the oil and gas lobbyists yeah. and um, this is really uh, just 
eroding the democratic mm -hmm. actions. And we, this is such an urgent, big, big problem that we can't wait another five years yeah. or two yeah. years to vote yeah. in yet another group of politicians that know nothing. We'll, go, we'll immediately go back on their promises. Yeah. Yeah. Or that will deny entirely yeah. well, the whole concept of climate crisis. So we yeah. need a citizens assembly. We need people with, um, you know, no skin in the game except for their children's future. And they will listen to the experts and they will tell the government what to do because the government works for us. They are our employees, not the employees of the oil and gas corporations. They are oh. knowingly disregarding that duty. Yeah. And yeah. We as citizens have benefits. Uh, we are given benefits by being citizens, but we also have responsibilities to learn mm -hmm. and be aware of what our rights and freedoms are, but also responsibilities to, yeah. to call the government to account when yeah. they do not, um, when they are t transgressing our yeah. rights and freedoms. Yeah. Uh, I think you're one of the most moral upstanding women that I've ever met and I feel privileged to have spent an afternoon in the Hooskow with you you made you made it so much easier and better thank you because I was able to sing with you to stretch with you and do yoga with you and yeah, meditate I know it was great thank you okay well I uh, okay um Thank you, Francine. Uh, and it has been absolutely uh, delightful. So we'll see you soon. Okay. You never know that you're living in a free state till it's too late.